Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Good morning and welcome to Beware of Spoilers. I am Adam, another documentary edition. A uh, little bit of housekeeping before we get ready to get into high gear. If you're looking for the discussion of uh, Gotham Knights, the new show on the CW, not the video game. The video game we will not be addressing because I do not care. Um, if you're looking for a discussion of Gotham Knights, uh, you can check out tonight. We're going to do that um, at uh, what's it called? At around that's uh, at five o'clock. We'll probably record at five o'clock, five thirty. We'll record it. We'll be up by six, you know, Eastern time. Um, and uh, yeah, look forward to that if you're looking forward to it. Because I do have thoughts. I don't think the show is as bad as uh, it was made out to be by um, by by some aspect of the critics community. Um, but we'll talk about that tonight. Um, today we're here to talk about All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which, of the three documentaries that I've now seen for, that were nominated for Best Documentary Feature last year at the Academy Awards, this one is my favorite, um, so far. Um, it remains to be seen if Navalny is going to unseat it. It also remains to be seen if Navalny, I mean, look, I think... Navalny is one of those movies, my senses are all fucked up, so please excuse me if I sound nasally, if I sound congested. Um, Navalny is one of those movies that sound, that like, when you, when you look at what it is in the current geopolitical, you know, landscape of the world, it's like, okay, that makes sense as to why it won. Um, which is not, it sounds dismissive, it sounds like I'm being like, oh, the only reason it won is because, you know, we have this ongoing conflict in the Ukraine. And, and that sounds dismissive, but um, that's not how I mean it. Um, but on a level playing field, that one's going to win out over the rest. It's about a political prisoner um, who was trying to uh, challenge Putin's power. But we'll, we'll get to that probably next week. Uh, we still have this Monday slot open now because The Last of Us is over. But... What we're going to talk about with this is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is far and away, I find it better than Fires of Love. I, Fires of Love, I find it better than um, All That Breathes. This is just a fantastic all-around documentary about the intersection of art and the opioid epidemic. Um, where it's one of these intimate stories that is about people specific people who are impacted by the opioid crisis and their specific stories about what happened uh, and, and, and what happened in their lives. And then on top of that, how it intersected with their art. Um, and then that's really the interesting thing about, like, it's not just about opioid, it's about the, the AIDS epidemic and about the, you know, all, all, all of these other, you know, crises that 
forward in their time, specifically because they were considered to be the result of vices and how, you know, it, it, it's like, oh, well, you, you've, you've done things, you know, on your own and, and that led you to this point, so now we're not going to help you deal with it. It's like, I think juxtaposing the age, AIDS epidemic in the 80s with the opioid crisis was such a great decision and they did it so well. And it's just, everything about this is just, you know, you hear about this woman's life and about everything she went through, and it's 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 this it's this great juxtaposition. I think the name really kind of nails it, which the name comes from a a, a, trans, a hospital transcript that comes it, it comes into play later in the movie, but it, it really does, you know, mix. It, you get these 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 moments of just human moments, which is really what this artist, whose name I should have written down but I didn't. Um, because I watched this last time before I went to bed, and uh, this artist was, you know, her her thing was taking pictures of the mundane, taking pictures of just life, what was going on. I mean, still she still does it, but you know, just what goes on in day to day life for people, and 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 showcasing that the the beauty of not of you know the mundane, and to to have that. And then to juxtapose what she's doing with her her life story, which is at times tragic, at times depressing, at times, you know, uplifting. Um, And then to take all of that and juxtapose it with these protests that they have about the the family who owned Purdue uh, Pharmaceuticals and created Oxycontin, them having the, um, what's it called, them having the... uh, their names all over these museums to kind of wander their image a little bit into people who are patrons of the arts. Um, it's all just such a great decision in terms of just how to frame a documentary. It's one of those things where it's like, this is a documentary that if you are interested in making a documentary, this is one you should watch. Like when we talked about the, the live-action shorts that were nominated for Best uh, best Live-Action Short, I talked about Ivalu. Um, which was like, I said it then, if, if you are making a short film and you are considering spending money doing a drone shot at some point in your movie, watch Ivalu first. Ivalu first. Um, why? Because that short has a perfect example of what you can use a drone shot for. What purpose does a drone shot have in your narrative? And this, in that short, the idea was to use it to create a sense of scale. To show this little girl who's looking for her sister in these vast, vast, empty plains, just looking for her sister. And you get that sense of, you know, isolation and, and all of that. And from what I saw doing my tours last year at, like, New York uh, New York City Indie and, uh, and, and Stony Brook Film and, and all of these things, you see a lot of independent movies that are doing uh, drone shots because it adds production value, presumably. Um, it's like, oh, look, we have money. See, we can afford to have a drone and a drone operator and have it look good, and it just ends up distracting. And it's like, you don't need to do that. So, whatever. Um, but that's not the point we're, we're driving in here. Um, and looking at kind of where we are with this, I think that... Um, I think that the... Where, where was I? Where, where was that? Come? Oh, this being an instrumental tool, where it's like the taking all of these various stories and intermingling them in a way that makes sense and create a cohesive narrative 
Um, this is the kind of thing that you should look to if you are looking to watch a documentary to get a sense of how to make a documentary. Um, and, and, and after watching this one, I don't think that Navalny will be strong enough to unseat the belief that they should have won Best Documentary Feature. Um, that's kind of where I am on this, where it's like, okay, so how do we, you know, how does, why is it this is not getting, uh, what's it called, why, why did this one not win is my question, and I think it comes down to subject matter. Um, not, this one subject matter is not good enough to win, but in, in a perfect world, Navalny, you know, Navalny wins because of it being Alex Navalny, which, again, not saying that's bad, not saying that that's not right, but it is something I'm going to have to watch the documentary to see if, if, if it can, if its quality is higher than this one. But, like, not only that, but, like, this one takes that kind of formula that you would expect from a documentary and, and kind of issues it, for, for lack of a better word, um, at times, and, and it still feels cohesive, and it does what it, what it's setting out to do in a, in a, in a very clear and concise way. You walk away from this documentary not unclear about anything, that anyone in the documentary, be it the filmmaker, be it the people involved, everything is abundantly clear about how everyone feels the entire way through, whether you agree or disagree, and I think it'd be hard to disagree with them, um, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum. It, you will, you will be abundantly clear about, you know, where they stand and what their argument is, and it's, it is, it, it's a skill. It is, the documentary is the argumentative essay of film. It is the, the, the essay that they taught you how to write in high school that you had to do on, and again, I'm in New York, so the Regents exam, but, like, it is the type of thing where it's like, here, we're going to give you some, we're going to give you some, some information, and you need to give us, an, you have to write an essay to take a stance and explain to us why you, um, why you feel this way, the argumentative essay, and that's what a documentary is for film. It is taking what you have, it's a DBQ, really, if we're going to be completely honest, it's, you know, the thing where it's like, here's six pictures, interpret the pictures, and then use the documents to, to support your, your, support your thesis, and come up with a thesis about them, and that's what the documentary is, um, and I think on that ground, this documentary does a great job of setting up its case, laying out its case, and then explaining the case, and then it's like, you get these moments, too, like, at the end, like, it's just so, so heartbreaking at the end, when you get to, when they, they have the, the family, again, whose name I'm forgetting, um, that I didn't write it down, the family who owned Purdue has to apologize to the families that were impacted by the opioid epidemic, and they have to, you know, as part of their settlement, and, they talk, like, they have to sit there and listen to these people talk about the impact of what happened, and you can just see on their face, like, they don't give a flying fuck about any of it, um, and it's just, that the, the people telling these stories, it's like, you know, this woman talking about, my only son died alone in a bathroom, um, because you guys started them on these painkillers, and then they got to not be enough, and, and, uh, and, and it's like, and it got to the point where it's like, it was prescribed, so I'm sitting there like, did you take your pain meds? And it made me complicit, and it's just, the, the pain that these people felt, it's just, it's such a well-crafted documentary, um, that it's like, it's, it, it, it is, 
it's something where it's like when we talk about some of the greatest documentaries ever made, we talk about like Nanooka the North, which kind of defined the genre. It was a Citizen Kane of documentaries. It's the idea that, you know, we can use film in this medium to to tell nonfiction narrative. And, and that was a movie that did that for the first time. Uh, Hoop Dreams uh, is another one that's among one of the greats. Uh, Great Gardens. I think that we're going to get to a point where I would consider this among one of the great documentaries ever made. Um, so, do not be surprised next month if when me and Peter and possibly Josie do the documentary exchange, we do a, uh, we, we talk about, um, we end up talking about this one again um, because, it, because of how well made it is. Um, but I think we'll wrap up there for today. Once again, if you're looking for Gotham Knights, you can check that out tonight. We'll be having that review up. I'm looking forward to talking about it because I don't, I didn't love it, but I also don't think it's that bad. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think they set the premise kind of nicely. Um, and no flash this week um, because it is on a week off uh, for whatever reason. And uh, we'll be continuing with The Mandalorian. We will be continuing with The Bad Batch. We will continue with Gotham Knights. We will continue with, um, and this week we have John Wick Chapter 4. And I am very much looking forward to this movie. Um, I wonder if it can live up to the hype. I wonder if it can live up to the the very high expectations laid out from some of the early reviews that I've seen. Where it's, I saw someone, I think it was Collider said, it's one of the best action movies of the last decade. And I'm like... That's a strong statement, especially considering the raid two came out in the last decade, um, which is by far my favorite action movie of all time. Um, yeah, I would be very interested to see if this could unseat that, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. Um, and uh, yeah, and then also a uh, slight programming note: we originally had Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves scheduled for next Thursday. That has been moved. Um, that has been moved to Sunday of this week. So we'll be seeing Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves very early. We will also be seeing a good person on Thursday now, and I feel like we may slip something else in at the end of the week. I'm not 100% yet. I gotta look at the calendar, and that will all be next week. But this weekend, definitely John Wick, um, and definitely um, Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm not 100% certain yet about where anything else falls on that. And then next week, definitely, uh, or the week after. No, that would be next week. Definitely, um, we're going to have uh, a good person on Thursday now um, because we don't have to put um, Dungeons & Dragons there. So we can get that out a little bit earlier, which I don't know if that's going to have a, a huge audience. I mean, Florence Pugh is in it, so it may have a big audience, but we'll see. Um so, uh, so yeah, so we will wrap up there for today, and until our next episode, which over here will be the review of Gotham Nights tonight, or over on 30 Minute Reviews, you can go listen right now, unless you're on Google Podcasts, uh, in which case I would advise you go to Spotify, I guess, but if you're on Google Podcasts, you won't be able to listen right now, because Google Podcasts is on slight delay, not anything I'm doing, it's just, for whatever reason, Spreaker and Google Podcasts sometimes don't play nicely, um... Specifically on 30-minute reviews, I'm not entirely sure why. It's always that, like, I have to wait for tech support to get back to me to refresh the feed and it fixes it. Um, but, yeah, so, 
Uh, you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts, except for Google Podcasts. We put up an episode about Race of the Sun. Um, I did reach out to Flip Fly about the question that we posed there, and we'll see if they get back to us. And our next episode after that will be the John Wick full series discussion on Tuesday uh, in advance of John Wick Chapter 4. So, until our next movie, or our next, uh, our next episode, have a great wet rest of your week. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.